Thanks for being with us. A bit later on in the program, just after the 2 o'clock news, we are going to continue the conversation about that increased visitation, the relaxing of the rules, some of the rules for long-term care facilities. We are going to check in with the CEO of the BC Care Providers Association. So that's coming up in about a half an hour from now. Right now, though, we are revisiting a story, and we've had a couple of guests on about this proposal. It is in Kitsilano. It is a proposed 12-story building with support of housing and a couple of the guests that we've had on this program before had some concerns that one was a parent who really did not want the project the way it is to go ahead we also talked to the principal of a school which will be right across the street saying they are not opposed to the entire project but they would like to see some changes and one of the contentious points is the number of supportive housing units proposed in this project well joining me now is Bridget Taylor a spokesperson with the group Kitsilano for inclusivity. Bridget, thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I know you're going to be having a rally. There's going to be a show of support a bit later today for this. Uh, What is your response when you hear some of the voices and people particularly attached to the school across the street who have concerns about this? Yeah, I mean, I think we all care about the safety of our community and particularly the safety of our kids. But the fact of the matter is there's a number of parents, actually a large number of parents who do support this proposal. And the notion that this is a particular site of a place that would be unsafe is not founded in evidence. We know that 52% of existing supportive housing in BC is within 500 meters of a school that for some cases, those have been operating for 10 plus years without any issues and that kids exist in all parts of the city. This isn't a disproportionate place where kids would be put at risk. Uh, What about the size of the building? Because that was one of the issues that the principal of the school brought out, uh, brought up that it was a 12 story building that would be much taller than some of the existing buildings in that area. Yeah, so there are a number of similar scale residential buildings in the Kitsilano area, ranging from between nine to 12 stories. And a lot of people don't notice them because they actually integrate very well into the community. They still maintain a human scale. Uh, I think there's also something to be said about talking about the scale of this building within the context of a homelessness crisis. Five people are entering homelessness each day in Metro Vancouver. And so while we understand that we want to maintain the characteristics of the community that we all love about it, the discussion about whether a building is going to cast a shadow versus people's right to housing, I think can't be looked at within the same scale of importance. Are you, uh, are you satisfied with the building itself too, that the uh, wraparound services, that there will be services for people that need them? Yeah. So the supportive housing model really is rooted in, ensuring that tenants maintain their tenancy. That includes connecting people to health and wellness services, to substance use services if they need it. Um, I also want to add that the notion that there needs to be robust security or integrative services is also rooted in a stereotype about who's accessing these sorts of supportive housing models. The people who access supportive housing are not homogenous. They're youth coming out of care. They're people on income assistance. They're seniors. And so the notion that that would pose a threat to the community isn't isn't founded in evidence.
Uh, do you also, uh, are you worried at all about kind of the, the image or this idea of whenever a proposal is put forward, especially on the west side of the city, there seems to be pushback and there seems to be, uh, whether it's it's real or not, there seems to be a perceived uh, idea that people more so on the west side simply don't want these types of supporting housing uh, units. They don't want supportive housing in their neighbourhoods. That's definitely been the narrative that I think has been amplified. And I think that's what we're finding now is that there's actually a large constituency of West Side residents who don't agree with that narrative. We are a diverse community already who come from a variety of different backgrounds, of income backgrounds, abilities, ages, demographics. And those people want to share the community with newcomers, with a vision that's affordable and sustainable into the long term. And so if a vocal minority have had the ear of certain narratives in the past, I think that's what we're really coming and saying, no, this is actually not the makeup of our community and you don't speak for all of us. And what do you say to the concerns that have been brought forward uh, that uh, that they're concerned that there will be perhaps open drug use near the school or that there aren't there aren't enough kind of checks and balances to make sure uh, that there isn't uh, that isn't happening in front of students and that's not leading to, say, needles on the streets and discarded uh, nearby? Yeah, I mean, again, I would just say that the notion that everyone accessing supportive housing are drug users is a stereotype that's not like again people are diverse who access supportive housing models i also want to say that we owe a level of inclusivity and compassion to people who are drug users that shouldn't negate their exclusion from the community Uh, Do you look at other examples of this? And the one that came to my mind when I started looking at this and getting contacted by people who were some people that were opposed to it uh, was Marpole a few years ago when there was uh, modular housing proposed for Marpole. Uh, There were rallies, there were people opposed to it, and it was built, it went ahead, and it doesn't seem like it's had too much of a negative impact on the community. We're overwhelmingly hearing that from different community members who have gone through this process in the past. What they heard was overwhelming opposition by a vocal minority who were concerned about safety issues, who were concerned about rates of crime, and the projects went ahead and people went on with their daily lives. And that was that. And now they get to welcome new community members and new neighbors. And I think that that's a win for everyone. Uh, The period of time for people to have public comment to weigh in on this has been extended until the end of this month. So a few more days. I know there had been concerns as well that because of the pandemic, it was being done on Zoom meetings and people felt there wasn't really enough of an opportunity for people to voice either their concerns or their support. Have you been involved in that or do you think there has been adequate consultation with the public? Yeah, so uh, we have had a number of our members attend those sessions. What they heard was that it was a small level of voices who overwhelmingly were able to control the narrative at those meetings. But there's also been an open dialogue and engagement process through the BC Housing website um, that's been open since the beginning of the month and that anyone can go and provide their feedback to. And so we do think that that's appropriate. Uh, Do you have any concerns with the project or the proposal the way it is? No, I think that my biggest concern is that we're in an affordability crisis and that's overlapping with a public health crisis on two levels, both on an 
opioid poisoning crisis and um, with COVID. And we know that a lack of housing disproportionately impacts people who are currently unhoused. And so my biggest concern is that we're going to continue to see a rise in in housing costs and simultaneously homelessness. And we're going to get to a point where there's no not much left to do. All right, Bridget, we'll leave it there. And I know there's a rally plan for this afternoon as well. Thanks so much for joining us to talk about this. Thanks so much. Take care. Bridget Taylor is a spokesperson with Kitsilano for Inclusivity. That is the proposal planned for West 8th Avenue. Uh, it would be across the street from St. Augustine School. And again, a rally planned for today around 4.30 this afternoon. 911. 911. What's your emergency? Ah, I'm on a cruise ship. Ah, there was an explosion. Oh my God, the ship is sinking. I can't get out. There's water everywhere. We're going down. I've got a lock on your location. Stay with me. Hello? Are you there? Help is on the way. Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all-new season of 911 on a new night. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.